0: Tonight's guest is Jeffrey Olson. He is the best-selling author of three books and a survivor of a horrific car crash that resulted in a near-death experience that brought him gifts not common in today's world. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking out some of your time today to join us. Oh, it's my
1: pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I really like your glasses. Love that color you
0: have. (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm. I'm at that age. I. Uh, they're just they're readers. But I can't see you unless I put them on, and I want to see you. So uh, you know, you'll uh, you'll have to see me through the glass. Tonight. It's
0: funny. I'm exactly the same. We may be about the same age. I'm at the age um, where I I you know I just broke down and had to do it. But, I'm
1: way older than you, brother. I'm way I'm
0: way older than you.
1: I'm sure, but yet it happened overnight. Suddenly, I needed readers. So yeah, here they are.
0: All right. Well. My audience is really into near-death experiences, so if you don't mind, can we just kind of start on the day of your accident and kind of go from there?
1: Oh yeah, we'll we'll dive in. Um, and the accident—it's been—it's been over twenty years ago. Wow. Uh, the day of the accident, it was an automobile accident. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole family was in the car. It was me and my wife and our two sons. And, uh, I had set the cruise control at 75. I was driving down the interstate. I was aware that my wife, Tamara was sleeping as was Griffin, our toddler who was in his car seat. And then Spencer, my seven year old was playing, you know, in the seat behind me, he had his car seat and everything buckled up too, but he had toys, little action figures Mm. he was playing with and I was driving the car. Um, one of the hardest things to talk about, Jeff, is I believe what caused the accident is I may have just dozed off. And I, I, you know, when I say dozed off, just nodded off. It wasn't like I fell asleep at the wheels, like I nodded off. I swerved to the right. I overcorrected to the left. And the car began to roll. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not off the road, but down the road on the concrete at 75 miles an hour. It was a horrific uh, automobile accident. Mm -hmm. they say the car probably rolled no less than six or eight times. Mm. Um, I blacked out for most of that. But when the car came to a stop, I was completely conscious. And the first thing I was aware of was my seven-year-old Spencer, my oldest son, he was crying in the backseat. And he was pretty hysterical, but it was that cry that a father knows, oh, he's okay. He, I, I've got to get to my boy. I've got to get to my son. But that's when I realized that I could not move. I was pinned either to the floorboard or the seat. I, I, I couldn't tell. I was struggling to breathe. I was in intense pain. I was, you know, it, it, the, the adrenaline, however, just took over everything. I was unaware of my injuries. What had actually happened? is that both of my legs had been crushed. My, my left leg was eventually amputated above the knee. My back had been damaged. My rib cage was damaged. My lungs were collapsing. My right arm had almost been completely torn off and torn out. And the seatbelt had cut through me and ruptured all my intestines um, mm. and tore my, my abdomen wide open. I, I really wasn't aware of the injuries. All I knew is my son was crying. I wanted to get to him, but I couldn't move and I was losing consciousness. But that's when I realized that no one else was crying. And and that's when the brutal reality hit that, um, that Tamara and Griffin were gone. Uh, my, my wife and child, I knew at the scene were, were deceased. And, um, it's the worst hell a man could ever be in. I mean, here I am helpless. I'm losing consciousness. I've got a hysterical seven-year-old, half the family's gone. And I was driving the car. I, I just, I kept thinking, can I not get those three seconds back? You know, what happened? And, and, um, it was the darkest moment I'll probably ever know. And yet that's when I had the first near-death experience I mean suddenly in that absolute terror it felt like light came I mean it, it felt like tangible light came and and surrounded me and comforted me and I began to rise above the accident scene and um I was a little bit confused you know it was kind of like how, what's happening and how can I be okay suddenly I could breathe there was no pain I you know it, it was like what's what's going on here And that's when Tamara, my wife, who I knew was deceased, I I knew she was deceased at the scene of the accident. I knew that. And yet here she was in this light. And and she was absolutely gorgeous and radiant. It wasn't, I mean, that was almost shocking too. It's like, oh my gosh, you're okay. Mm. How can we be okay? You know, I mean, we just had this crash, and yet we had this very poignant conversation. In fact, she was emphatic. She's like, "You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You can't come. You've got to go back." And we had this conversation. It's like if I stayed with her, we would leave our oldest son orphaned. And uh, I learned a lot about choice in, in those moments. Yeah. You know, looking at the woman I loved more than life, but knowing I had a seven-year-old son in the back seat of that car, and I. I made a choice to come back.
0: In the time that you were um, with her in the light, was it like as if like you're in a cloud? Like like you know when you look out the window and you're flying a plane? Was it just like white light? You know, were you like in a different world, just in a world of light? You and her talking to each other, if you can remember back.
1: Yeah, I can remember it vividly. It's like it was yesterday, and it was as if. Yes, in white light. I I, I I call it a bubble of light. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, words are difficult to describe it. But in that instance, in that instance, it's as if I was surrounded in a bubble of white light. And yet she was there. And and, and you said, you know, like a dream or being in a plane. And yet the, the crazy thing is that was so real. It's it's like this feels like the foggy, crazy dream. That was so real. And um, and I had further experiences that that expanded on that. I mean, in, in making the choice to come back and that was the most profound goodbye, I will ever say. I, I I have no concept of time in this, you know, this bubble of light, if you will. But I learned later what happened is people had arrived on the scene, they had to extricate me from the car. Spencer, my seven year old, was banged up a little bit, but he basically walked away from the accident. Physically, emotionally, he thought the whole family was gone. Because of my injuries, I had to be life flighted or airlifted to a level one trauma center. I didn't know any of that. All I knew is I had crashed the car. I had said the most profound goodbye I would ever say. And as I made the conscious choice, like just the intention, I'm I'm going back. I found myself moving around a hospital, a busy ER setting Mm -hmm. with... Doctors and patients and nurses and the families of the patients, but I was also experiencing that completely differently. I mean, everyone I saw—it's like I knew them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I saw them. I—I I knew their lives. I knew their love, their hate, their joy, their passions, their motivations, their contemplations. I—it's I, it it, it, as if I was them and they were me. I was in—I ex- I was an experiencing. A, a oneness, if you will. It's like, wow, I'm connected to them. I know everything about them. And they didn't necessarily see me, or nor did they even seem to be aware of me. But boy, did I feel connected to them. And and I had this overwhelming sense of, of love, of compassion. I mean, everyone I saw, it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I, I had these insights about their life. And yet that was just coupled with, look how magnificent they are. You know, look what they're doing. For instance, there was a nurse. And I mean, it was just in a glance. It was in a moment. I mean, just these little moments. But suddenly I I felt, I felt as if it had happened to me. I felt the abuse that she had experienced as a child. I mean, physical, sexual, emotional abuse. I felt it. I knew it. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew it was hers, but I was aware of what that felt like for her. And yet in that same, you know, moment in in experiencing that, I saw her in her magnificence. I'm like, but look what she's doing. She's this compassionate, hardworking nurse, literally in a hospital healing, you know, assisting people to be well. And and, and I, I saw her in this magnificent, glorified way, like in spite of all she's been through. Or maybe because of all she's been through, look how glorious she is in this moment. It, it was everyone I saw, it was that type of insights. That's just one little you know snippet until I came up to a body or a man laying on the gurney that I didn't feel anything from. And that's when I stepped closer to look and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's me. But, but it wasn't me. That was my body. I recognized my body, which was badly broken up. But that wasn't me. I was having this incredible connected experience, but I knew in those moments, I've got to get back in that body. And it was an absolute wreck. You know, I mean, my body was so in such bad shape.
0: After this, did you ever meet that nurse in person? You know,
1: I didn't. Hmm. I didn't. I met a lot of nurses. I mean, Hmm going back into the body was hellacious. I I mean, and and again, we have no idea how powerful our thoughts are, but boom, I was going back in and it was that intention. Once I was in the body, I was back to the guilt, the pain, the trauma. And I met many nurses and many doctors. In fact, in my book, knowing there was a nurse, not this nurse, it was a different nurse and the attending um, level one trauma physician They had a profound experience while they were working on me to save my life. They felt my wife's soul, her influence. In fact, the doctor has written a book about it. He saw her in the operating room standing above my body as his team worked on me to save my life. And she was simply sharing gratitude for everything they were doing to save my life. And it's probably a miracle he talked about that. Hmm. For me I was back in the body I was ventilated the you know the respirator was doing the breathing for my lungs my legs were immobile my arm was immobile I could only use my one left hand which they ended up tying down cuz I kept grabbing at all the medical equipment but I felt them I I still had this awareness like I I felt the love the care the compassion or the trauma or the grief or the worry or the I mean, it was really interesting being in that state. And I wasn't necessarily comatose, but I was unconscious. I was in and out of consciousness. I was in the hospital for almost uh, five months. I had 18 surgeries mm. in total, putting me back together. But I would feel people when they came in. I would feel the staff. I would feel the nurses. I, I, it's Somehow being out of the body opened up this part of me um, and the door hasn't necessarily shut all the way, but it was this, this awareness of others, this compassion, this empathy around and about others that it, it changed me forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it, it changed me in profound ways where judgments and comparisons kind of went out the window. And it's like, wow, mm. everybody's doing the best they can. And I felt it in such a profound way.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, how did the? I hate to get sidetracked from your story, but I don't want to lose this. How did the, the doctor that worked on you, that saw your wife, how did he break it to you or tell you about it? You know, that it, well, I, you know, say, I'm, this that's really is, interesting. It's just crazy.
1: It is interesting. And it's mm. a, it, it's, it's a crazy story. I, I mean, I was in such bad shape in the hospital. They really weren't letting anybody but immediate family see me. And this was like it was probably a month or more after the accident. Um, I was finally out of ICU. Of course, I went back into ICU. I was out of ICU, surgical recovery, back into ICU. It went back and forth. But about a month or so after the accident, I'm in a surgical recovery room, and they've just started to allow visitors. You know, and people would come from work or from my neighborhood, and. And it was really good to see people. My immediate family had been there. My brothers, I mean, they practically lost their jobs just staying with me, you know. But suddenly this this man and this woman came in the room and they weren't in hospital scrubs or anything. And so I made the inaccurate assumption that they were a couple, which they weren't. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yet I couldn't place them. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who they are. I, I, they're not from work. They're not from the neighborhood. They're not from the congregation I'm associated with. I mean, who are these people? And, and I thought I was losing my mind. And then they finally introduced themselves as members of my trauma team. And the nurse was incredible. She was so kind. The doctor kind of posted up in the side of the room and leaned against, you know, the, the wall there. Mm-hmm. And the nurse came and sat right by the bed. And she said, wow, how are you doing? We were so worried. We didn't know if you were going to make it. And she began this small talk. And then she started to, to cry. She started to weep. And she said, I've got to tell you what happened. And they they didn't know me from Adam. Mm-hmm. They didn't know I had had a near-death experience. They didn't know anything except she had felt so impressed. And the doctor said she drug him up there mm-hmm. to see me. But she then shared that they had experienced and seen my wife's spirit in the operating room now i i just began to cry because mm-hmm. you know i mean i was so raw so tender i couldn't even speak about the accident for years without falling apart and crying but mm-hmm. i begin to weep and i looked over at the doctor who's still standing in the corner and i suppose he could sense what i was wondering because he said yeah he said i saw her too and I I was still very, very sick, but I said, what did she say? Mm-hmm. And the doc looked at me and he said, she was simply expressing her gratitude for what we were doing to save your life. And then I just burst into tears because I'm like, that's exactly what she would do. That, mm-hmm. You know, I, I believed them. They didn't know I had had an experience. Mm-hmm. And, And the craziest part of it is the doctor actually felt compelled Um, And he's, he's wide open about this now. He wouldn't talk about it for years, Mm -hmm. but now he said he felt compelled to leave his contact information with me. And he actually wrote his number down and left it on the table in the hospital room. And I ended up calling him after I got better and was able to talk because I wanted to know more about what he had experienced. And I finally shared with him what I had experienced and somehow for me, it was a safe place. It's like, he's a doctor Mm -hmm. and he had an experience. And yet if I'm nuts, you know, if I'm crazy, he'll Mm -hmm. put me in the psych ward and get me the, you know, the support I deserve to have. But, but we became dear friends. He's, he's still a friend of mine. And what I have come to learn is he had many experiences in the ER. This was not necessarily unique for him. This is why the nurse, you know, grabbed him to say, we've got to go tell that guy. Mm -hmm. That we've, uh, we've become friends. So it, it was, it, it, you know, it probably broke every HIPAA rule or I, d- I don't know how that all works, yeah. but he left me his contact number and and I began to speak to him and we've now become really good friends.
0: That's great. Have you ever had any type of paranormal experience before this accident or even like you said you were in a congregation, maybe seen angels or anything religious?
1: You know, I, I was religious, but the accident made me far more spiritual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I did have one profound thing happen, and i, I had a few spiritual things happen mm-hmm. or paranormal um, and gosh, you know jeff we we're, we're're we're, we're gonna you'll have to bear with me it's okay. Griffin, my son, who passed mm-hmm. um, Tamara and I, when Spencer was born, she had had complications. We were told we may never have children again with and 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 yet we wanted more children anyway griffin was an in vitro baby hmm. we had had to the only way tamara could conceive was through a process called in vitro where they literally fertilize the eggs and put them back into the uterus and 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 we went through that process and and i'll be as brief as i can here mm-hmm. But she was really concerned because they have to put multiple eggs in the uterus to see if one or two might take. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, they had five fertilized eggs and they put them in her uterus. And they said, if all five take, we're going to have to have some medical procedures to get this taken care of. And she was really, really concerned. But what I'll share is the day that we went in to have the fertilized eggs put into her uterus. You know, more information than you want to know. I know this is very, very personal, but you asked the question. Mm. As she laid in the bed sleeping and the doctor said, you just sit here and wait, you know, and we'll send you guys home after a while. I had the craziest thing happen where I felt the presence of my grandfather who had passed away. Mm. I like I felt his presence in the room. Interesting. And then. And I I can't say I saw it with my eyes, but I had, like, in my mind's eye, I saw him, and he introduced me to my maternal grandmother, who had also passed away before I was born. Hmm. So here I had a grandfather who had passed, introducing me to a grandmother on my other side of the family who I had never met, who passed away before I was born. And to cut to the chase, in this vision, if you will, she was holding a baby boy. Hmm. And, you know, as, as we finished with the doctor, I didn't know what to make of this. But as we finished with the doctor and, and you know, we were released to go home and, and Tamara was still so concerned, like, what are we going to do if, you know, I have five babies in my belly or hmm. what if none of them work? I mean, she was so concerned about that. And she so badly wanted another child. We both did. Anyway, I shared with her, I had this weird dream, if you will, or vision. I was completely conscious. It was a lucid dream. But I said, I saw my grandparents, one on my paternal side, one on my maternal side, and they were holding a little boy. I said, I think we're going to have one healthy baby boy. Well, sure enough, that's how it all played out. They didn't have to do any procedures. The eggs were implanted. One egg took, and we had a healthy baby child, Griffin. And then only 14 months later to have him pass away in the accident. It was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's the closest I got to some spiritual or paranormal Mm -hmm. thing happening. But Mm -hmm. it it all played out in a way that it made perfect sense.
0: Since the accident and since you healed, have you had any more experiences or have you felt like you've kind of, you know, in times of stress or times of trouble, you know, had more out-of-body experiences?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I can share that. I mean, one of the most profound things that happened was maybe at the end of my hospital stay. I mean, I was out of ICU. Mm -hmm. I was out of surgical recovery. I was off of all the narcotics. You know, I should probably point out that two of the most profound near-death experiences were at the scene of the accident before any narcotics had been administered. And then at the very end of my hospital stay, I was off of everything. I was simply taking some Tylenol. I was just about ready to come home. But it was strange because as I went to sleep that night and I was finally able to sleep on my side, I had laid so long on my back, the back of my head had been rubbed bald. The hair was all rubbed off of it. Mm. But I was they had stabilized my abdominal injury, so I was able to sleep on my side. But I fell into a deep sleep. And I remember drifting off to sleep and thinking, wow, I'm actually peacefully sleeping. It had been months. And as I slept, I felt that light come again, that that same light that had come at the scene of the accident. It it, it seemed to surround me and I seemed to rise above the hospital bed. But this time that light, if you will, I explained the bubble of light at the scene of the accident. This time the light kind of dispensed like, Mm -hmm. like a fog. It it went away. Mm -hmm. And I was in the most beautiful place. I mean, people say heaven or the other side or the spirit world. I mean, the only word, Jeff, that I can come up with that even comes close is I was home. Hmm. I mean, I was home. I, I I felt so welcomed. I felt so peaceful. I, fe- I felt familiar. I mean, I hmm. was home and I... I joyfully began to run. I, I was running. Now, in this realm, I don't run with the busted up back and one leg cut off and the other knee crushed. I, but there I was running. And, and when you talk about a dream state, it's like it was so real. This this is the foggy dream. That was real. And I could feel it in such a physical way. Like I could feel the energy and intelligence charging through my calves and thighs. And I was joyfully running, thinking I'm home and I'm well. And then I got the knowing that I wasn't there to stay. And about that same time, there was this corridor off to my left and I knew intuitively I'm to go down that way. And I did, I began to wake my, make my way down this corridor. And at the end of the corridor was a crib. Now, now Griffin had still been sleeping in a crib at the time of the accident. And so I raced to that crib. And when I peeked in it, there was my little boy. And he was beautiful. He wasn't hurt. He was. I, in fact, I, I I picked. He was sleeping peacefully. But I picked him up, and I I don't know if you have you ever picked up a sleeping child.
0: Mm-hmm. Got two of them.
1: You know the 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 heat and the weight of him. I, I mean, I picked him up and I held him, and he was solid against me. I I I, I, I even knew it. it's like I'm out of the body, but why am I experiencing it in such a physical way? I could feel his breath on my neck. Mm. I could feel his little, you know, lungs expanding with air. And I I even reached over, and I, I smelled his hair. And I thought, it's him. It's my little boy. And I, I began to weep again. I cry a lot mm-hmm. since then. But as I held him, I felt this intense presence coming up behind me. And I mentioned I had been religious. I i had been raised believing that life was a test and God was going to judge me and I was probably in trouble. And certainly in this instance, the guilt was immense because I'm, I'm holding my little boy thinking he, he died cause I crashed the car. You know, his life was cut so short cause I screwed up and lost control and, and and the guilt was coming up and I'm holding my little boy and this presence is coming closer and closer. And I, I had this thought mm-hmm of I hope I can be forgiven somehow. And, and yet as soon as I had that thought, and this almost felt physical too, I felt these arms like wrap around and just just wrap around and hold us. Mm. And it was this beautiful, divine, unconditional love just flowed through, no judgment. In fact, the, the message was there's nothing to forgive everything's in divine order. And then I had what they call the life review. It's like the lid came off. I, I begin to see my life. I saw, and I was sitting there saying, well, that was a mistake. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to do that. And and this divine presence was communicating in such a profound way saying, that's your judgment of it, not ours. We we love you. You're as precious to us as the child you hold. And, and, and it was a very personal experience, but I knew if I was that, We all are. I mean, it was about me, but it was also about all of humanity. It was this weird personal yet cosmic download. And um, again, I was taught about choice. You know, I was told I could be mad at at God, if you will, uh, you know, because this happened and my family, half the family died. Or I could feel guilty and beat myself up for the rest of my life. But I was also given a choice to exercise my will, you know, to. I was given the opportunity to give my little boy back mm-hmm. to literally let go and hand him over. And in all that love and beauty, that's what I did. I, mm-hmm. I kissed my little boy and I, I I let him go. I gave him back. Mm-hmm. And of course, then I woke up, you know, to all the trauma and the hospital, the amputation and everything that was going on and. And many things have happened since then. It, I, you know, and it didn't make it any easier. I mean, I still grieved bitterly. I mean, I I grieved, I grieved for a decade. I mm-hmm. and I did eventually, um, even while I was still grieving, I fell in love again, I remarried, we adopted mm-hmm. boys, and yet there's always been this I don't know, this insight, this angelic guidance. I feel like I got two of the greatest guardian angels in my 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 first wife and my my little son that any anybody could have Hmm. um so yeah it's it's remained open and i have all kinds of experiences knowing that the book goes into it and sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's a dream sometimes it's a feeling Hmm. sometimes it's a full-on visitation my my little boy has come to me in dreams or visions if you will Hmm. um and he's not a little toddler anymore. You know, he literally appears to me as a grown, gosh, he's like Michael the Archangel. He's this fantastic guardian that just mm-hmm. looks out for me.
0: Well, that's great. So you I think you said that you are now more spiritual than religious. Yeah. Do you fear death anymore? No. Oh. No,
1: I, I have no fear of death. And yet, I also have no fear of life now. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I mean, I, I, with my injuries, I, I experience pain. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I look forward to gosh, can I be free of this body, you know, mm-hmm. finally and, and be free of the pain. But I mm-hmm. I've also gotten in touch with what a miracle it is to be in the body and have mm-hmm. this experience, you know, to be here and to, the little things are the big things. It's like to, to watch that sunset or to, you know, feel that rainstorm. I mean, yesterday we had our first snow here in the mountains of Utah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm well into my 50s and I was out just moving the snow off the driveway and the walk. And I, I was compelled to catch snowflakes on my tongue. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, here, yeah. here I am, you know, out there <laughs> running around and I'm thinking what a joyful, beautiful experience to be here mm-hmm. and to do that. And to embrace the fact that every moment is sacred and every moment is a gift. And, you know, whether we're here or heaven or maybe heaven is right here. Gosh, if we could tap into love and just take care of each other and love ourselves more, um, maybe there's nowhere to go. Maybe. I I saw a funny comic the other day, actually. It was this, you know, guy at the party gates and there's Mm -hmm. the creator. And and the caption said, uh, you know, here's here's God saying to this person who has just passed away, how was your trip to heaven? He said. You
0: know? Oh, that's great.
1: And I thought, well, wow. Yeah. Maybe we can embrace this life a little better right now and not worry about what's next. You know,
0: mm-hmm. how about the way you interacted with people? Because has that changed, because when you were out of the body, you had this oneness with people and you understood them more and, probably, you know, loved them and respected them and, and under you know, you knew so much about the people. I know you change when you come back, you don't, you know, you're back into the trauma and the, in your life, but has it still changed your interactions with people in general?
1: You know, I, I believe it has. I'm kinder. Mm-hmm. And and yet, you know what, I, you know, I, I still get mad and, you know, I still have all the regular emotions or I'll holler at my boys, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, teenage boys, right. Mm-hmm. But, there are those times when I don't know, something just lifts. I had an experience here a while back and, and I was coming out of work. My, my, my current wife, we, we had a date night. It was Friday. I was going to take her to dinner and I'd taken the bus to work and she had come to pick me up and I left the office and this homeless guy came up, you know, and he starts Mm -hmm. to talk to me and he obviously wants money. And I'm kind of thinking, Oh, you know, I got to go. And, and suddenly something just, stopped me and said, look at him. And and I I looked at him. I looked in his eyes and it was, it was, it was strange because suddenly I realized, wow, that could be my dad. That could be my brothers. That could be me. Had I not had that family support, I could have been the guy and probably would have been the guy, strung out on some corner, mm-hmm. you know, wondering what happened. And and I just began to feel Empathy, compassion, love for this this guy. I, I mean, uh, you know, some homeless guy on the street, but I, I I couldn't even control it. Like I just threw my arms around him and hugged him, mm-hmm. and I and I started to tear up, and 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 my I almost said it before I even thought about what I was saying. I said, "I know who you are," mm-hmm. and he started to cry and said, "I know you know." And we pulled back and. I mean, my, my wife probably thought I was crazy. She's thinking, what are you doing out here hugging you know, all the homeless people in the street? Mm-hmm. But I, I'd have given him everything in my wallet, and he no longer wanted anything. He just wanted to be acknowledged. We had this moment where it was like the hospital, but it was on any given Friday afternoon as you're running down the street. Those things still happen, but it's not all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I still see those as special, sacred moments because for the most part, I'm a regular guy that straps on a prosthetic limb and goes out and makes a living and Mm -hmm. has all the emotions that anyone else would have, you know?
0: Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Um, I believe in your bio, you talked about that you got gifts or received gifts that are not common in today's world. How would you explain that? You know, I do feel things and, um, the gifts for
1: me have been dreams. My 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 first wife, Tamara, comes in dreams. In fact, she even inspires and influences Tanya, my current wife, which might sound really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. But they never knew each other in life. But even Tanya has said, wow, I had this influence. I know who was sending it to me. And I mean, that was a time when life was really, it was rough. I mean, things were going south. Spencer was growing up, he was kind of going off the rails a little bit. I was struggling in my career. We had these two adopted boys and I don't, I don't call them my adopted boys. They're just my sons, but Mm -hmm. it was family stuff. You know, you're trying to make a marriage work and raise kids and there's all the pressure on a man to, you know, provide and Mm -hmm. on and on and on. And, And I felt like life was a real mess. And I felt like some of the things I had done and the decisions I had made weren't working. And and i i I went back into that guilt mode of you know what? I wrecked the car, I messed everything up, I should have just died and and in fact, quite honestly i was I was almost suicidal. It's like maybe I should just end it now, maybe mm-hmm. I should go back and and have this all over with, and that's kind of the state I went into my bed with to sleep and just you know contemplate why am I even here. But I had this incredible dream. So I'm in my, you know, darkness. And in the dream, Tamara, my first wife who had passed, she comes dancing up to me, like joyfully dancing. You know, she throws her arm around my neck. Mm -hmm. And in the dream, she kissed me on the cheek, which I thought was really odd. I'm like, well, come on, you know, plant one on the kisser. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, she's honoring the fact that I'm married to Tanya now, literally Mm -hmm. honoring, you know. All of that. But it was really interesting because in the state I was in, she kissed me on the cheek. And then she said this verbally to me. She said, all that exists here is wisdom. But then she pulled back and she looked me in the eyes and there was this nonverbal communication. And it was like a sermon. But she said, without saying a word, she intuitively, nonverbally communicated It doesn't matter what you did or what you didn't do. All that exists here is wisdom. All that matters is what did you learn? Mm -hmm. What's it made of you as a man? What are you learning? How are you growing? How is your soul expanding? And, you know, you could call that a coincidence. You could call that a strange dream. You could call it a vision. You could call it a gift. But I say gifts because I've been visited, guided, loved, directed, supported by, by my angels, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is I could wake up the next day with a whole different outlook instead of being suicidal and really down. And uh, it's like, wow, you know, maybe it is about what I'm learning and maybe that's okay. I can focus on that and move forward with more courage and more self-love and, and actually be different.
0: I know you say that you are spiritual but you do you did or maybe still do have a certain amount of um religious background. Would you say is anything that happened within your near death experiences that you could correlate to the bible if you're a christian?
1: Yes, I suppose I could, but it turned everything I thought I knew inside out and upside down I mean here's here's as a Christian here's mm-hmm. here's the well the long and short of it I, g- I give long answers my friend you ask good
0: questions we and I have give a lot of answers we're doing good on time so we're okay <laughs> well when when I was in the arms of God if you will mm-hmm. I mean
1: feeling all that love and it was literally communicated that I was as beloved and divine as perfect to God as the child I held in my own arms, my own son. There was this beautiful, like, reframing the life of Jesus, you know, as as a Christian. It's like, oh, my goodness. He didn't come to thumb his nose and say, hey, I'm dad's favorite, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm better than you are. I was seeing this whole thing reframed where he was literally holding up a mirror to each and every one of us saying, don't you see your own divinity? Don't you see how blessed, how beloved, how cherished, how perfect you are? I mean, you know, biblically walk on the water, Peter. Why do you doubt, you know, greater things will you do that you've, then you've seen me do if you just believe, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, when the apostles came and said, show us the father, then we'll believe you. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Mm -hmm. And the reframing was, I'm a manifestation of that. And so are you, Mm -hmm. you know? so, yeah, it, it, it expanded my, my faith, if you will, it expanded. It's like any, any faith or hope, seemed to be transformed into absolute trust and and the divine or, or the life of Christ and this incredible being that came in such love and such empathy. I felt incredibly inspired to think, well, if in any way I could be a manifestation of that love, if any way mm-hmm. I could show up with that type of compassion and empathy, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. And um, you know, not to make, you know comparisons because we can't compare ourselves even to each other. We are each and every one a unique, mm-hmm. beautiful, divine manifestation. And And that's you know that that's what kind of reframed. So I could certainly, you know, align that biblically, but it was different than, well, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Mm-hmm. and i and i do get a lot of flack sometimes for saying things like this it was like you're divine and you're here to love and by loving therein is your perfection by being the best you you can possibly be and by being more kind and more true that's that's where the answer is not what church you go to or mm-hmm. you know what theology you align with it's it's about how you love mm-hmm. in fact i was even asked the question that's the only question i was even asked in those other realms and it was this mm-hmm. to what degree have you learned to love and the master jesus i realized wow he had learned to love to the breadth and depth of the fullness of the human experience and that's pretty cool
0: yeah it seems like that we all in mortal life, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, we're all, our minds are caught in the game of ego and busyness and living and surviving and, you know, competition and, and jealousy and, you know, some of the other sinful things as well that, um, when you pop out of this world, you can let all of that go. And, and, Luckily you had a glimpse of that and you've had all this, you know, all the, the good things that humans are when they're out of this, you know, when they're out of this mortal life, you know, the good things that, you know, the love and what we, what what we have to give and what we have to share. It's just when you're here, it's like you're caught up in all this other stuff. When you get free of it, you go back to the pure love.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean I only got a glimpse. I mean, I only mm. got a glimpse, but I'll tell you what, I mean, things are so different. See, now I'll I read the Bible and I'll mm. read it, but it comes across so different. I mean, my favorite, and, and and it's even even in common. I mean, when I was in the hospital seeing everybody, I had a biblical verse come to mind. Mm. And it was the famous one. And as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me which I used to feel like was a really good verse about being nice. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, my goodness, no. The master was speaking of the oneness. I am them, and they are me. I am no better than the man in prison or the naked beggar in the street. I mean, there was these expanded insights. Um, You know, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, they neither spin nor do they toil you know all these all these analogies these insights about nature about you know all the things that were taught had this whole new meaning and this whole depth of um of different profound truths that I hadn't considered before um and and it and it's funny i i i read i was reading the sermon on the mount and this was a you know I, I read often, but I was reading that verse that said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that that's what I was familiar with. And I'm like, boy, did I see God? In fact, in the experience, I didn't even dare turn around. I was mm-hmm. so frightened. Mm-hmm. I didn't dare turn around to see who it was putting their arms around me.
0: Mm, yeah, it's
1: interesting. But this time, as I, you know, this time as I read that, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's almost like the voice of the master came to me and added this. Not that I'm adding to biblical verse, but mm-hmm. in my heart and mind it read, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God in everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in every one." And I thought, "Oh, wow. That's different. But is that what I'm experiencing? I can see God in the sunset, in the flower, in the bird, in the face of the homeless guy that Mm. wanted money as I came out of the office. Wow. Maybe everything is divine and I can really let go of all the judgments and comparisons I put
0: on it. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's Buddhism or Taoism, but I believe one of them speaks that, you know, we're all one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, and to say I'm not religious, gosh, I came out of the near death experience Taking a deep dive, dive into my own faith, I mm-hmm. looked into bid, Buddhism, I looked into Hinduism, I looked into Islam, I was, I was suddenly had this new thirst for, wow, what, what, how do I make sense of what I experienced? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, uh, and yet, how do I need to, mm-hmm. you know, is, is it as simple as love your neighbor mm-hmm. as yourself? And, and yet that self love is the key. You know, I I had gotten pretty good at loving my neighbor, but Mm -hmm. that self-love, you know, that self-forgiveness, that was the big one for me. Gosh, I was driving the car. How could I possibly forgive myself? How could I possibly love myself? And yet, until I did that, I was looking externally for the answers. I mean, here, God held me in his arms, you know, and Mm -hmm. that was an external validation that I was okay yeah. Until I begin to love myself from the inside out, mm-hmm. that I find that I really had love for my neighbor. I can't give what I don't have. So to love my neighbor as myself, I better develop a pretty healthy self-love. Mm-hmm. And that's not to be arrogant or, you know, or or you know, what, overly proud. It's it's to love the divinity within myself and therefore I can see it in other people. And I, I really, at the core, to me, that's what Jesus was teaching is, is that, you know, that divine love, that pure love where we can walk with each other, even if we're different. Mm-hmm. And we can let go of all the judgments and comparisons that keep us separated mm-hmm. and finally step into a oneness, whether that's Taoism or Buddhism. I mean, mm-hmm. the great master knelt in John 17 and said, Father, remind him that we're one. You're in me and I'm in them and, mm-hmm. and, and can we not be one? And so I think there is a great deal of truth. And when I experienced that, gosh, the love and the love I felt in those arms and, and, and the, the product of all that love was just simply gratitude. It's like, wow, thank you.
0: Yeah, well, you made a great point. So speaking of books, you know, you have written three bestsellers. So I first want to congratulate on you because that is not easy. Oh, thank you. I presume that your books are about your experience. So if not, can you correct me, but can you please gonna give us a little bit of yeah, the what books, your books are the about?
1: Books, they're about my experience. They're on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Knowing is the book you want. And I'll give you a little rundown. I never mm-hmm. had any inclination to be an author. Mm-hmm. I do not fancy myself a writer. Um, in fact, I was teaching a Sunday school class and I didn't ever talk about the experience. And the theme was the love of God. And I started bawling in front of the high, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. whole high, uh, uh, high school aged, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Sunday school class. And, uh, and, 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 and one of the, 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 you know, there was parents in there as well. And one Mm -hmm. of the women came up and said, Hey, something happened to you. And I said, I don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. She introduced me to someone that worked at the university who studied near death experiences. I didn't even know, that they were called near death experiences anyway long story short he said come speak to our group and i said no i don't talk about this i went and spoke to the group because he said look people are grieving they're hurting they're mm-hmm. and and i would this was 10 years after the accident i was mm-hmm. in a place where i could talk about it but anyway there was a publisher in the audience. And he mm-hmm. came up and said, you're going to write a book. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and that, this was a Friday, Monday. That was a, in my email was a contract to write the book. I never had any inclination to write a book. Mm-hmm. What happened is I went back to the scene of the accident. And I asked, I, 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 I still pray all the time. Mm-hmm. I asked and you know, the publisher, there's a contract on my email inbox you know am i supposed to write a book and it and was all these hang-ups jeff I, i'm like first of all i didn't want people to think i was crazy nor did mm-hmm. i want them to think i was special in some way nobody's special and yet we're we're all incredibly special but there was also this barrier of of guilt i was driving the car yeah. i mean what if the book's successful am i that guy that'll take a paycheck based on the catastrophe that Mm -hmm. took half my family and I was at the wheel. I mean, there was a lot of barriers to overcome, right? Anyway, when I prayed and I asked the divine, am I supposed to write this book? I got a profound answer. It's that voice that speaks to your heart, you know, and I Mm -hmm. can quote what I was told. I was told, share your experience and others will heal. Mm and boy, was I about healing. I had been through some things, and so I went ahead and I wrote the book, and uh, the first book was titled, I Knew Their Hearts. The publisher titled it, named it, I Figured My Mother Would Buy a Copy, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, it was released. It hit number three on Amazon in the category in the first 10 days. Suddenly, I was getting invites to lecture or speak on on the first book. The publisher wanted a second book. Mm-hmm. Wow. The first book is about the near-death experience, and it's somewhat, you know, it's a little bit about my life. The second book, which is called Beyond Mile Marker 80, is about the aftermath. It's about picking up the pieces and putting life back together and falling in love again and mm-hmm. adopting two boys and it's about that. But Knowing is the book to get because it's a compilation of book one and book two, mm-hmm. but with extended chapters and deeper insights. And it, it even goes up to Spencer, my little seven-year-old at the time of the accident. It goes clear up to his wedding. He was married uh, oh, just wow. a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And, uh, and 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 a lot of it's his journey, too, as a little boy that lost everything I lost except a leg, but he lost his mother, he lost his brother, and in many ways he lost his father, and he didn't have any near-death or spiritual experiences. Mm. He had to figure it out on his own, and, and he, you know, anyway, there's a lot. Knowing's the book to get. We'll mm. ramble on all night about it, but if mm. if you want the whole story, get knowing, and then you get book one and book two in there, but with much, much, much more.
0: Mm. It's like buy one, get one free plus.
1: <laughs> I suppose we finally had time. I I could, I could write it the way I wanted to write it. You know, mm-hmm. publishers kind of rush and they mm-hmm. want it done. And I think it's more about hitting, you know, cycles than mm-hmm. really. It, it, it's a personal memoir is what it is. It's mm-hmm. just, I just put my heart and soul all over the pages and people will have to make of it what they will. Mm.
0: Do you connect with people? Like, do you do you have a Facebook page? Do you chat with people, or are you are you pretty private?
1: No, I um. Oddly enough, I'm pretty private, but I'm all over social media. I've mm-hmm. got a Twitter account. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. It's all under my full name, Jeffrey J E F F E R Y. Mm-hmm. C, it's my middle initial, then Olson, O L S E N, mm-hmm. but Jeffrey C. Olson. Or you can look up Jeffrey Olson Olson, author, speaker on Facebook. But I'll tell you why I do that, Jeff. I um, you know, when I got that message that said, share your experience and others will heal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean the emails and the letters and the cards, I I got a this was shortly after the book was released the first book, I got this letter in the mail. It was a letter, an envelope, and it was in the letterhead from the publisher. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. What's this? So I opened it up and inside was a little three by five card. And it had a little teeny tiny hand scratch writing on it. And I turned it over and I realized it was jail mail. It was from an inmate wow. in prison. Hmm. And somehow he had gotten my book and the only address was the address, you know, from the publisher and as I turned it back over and got out these readers, you know, so I could read it. Uh, you, here's this guy, you know, and he's like, I lost my family, too, not to death. They left me. I did this. I'm in prison. But he said, I read your book. And he said, somehow I know I'm loved. And somehow I know I can walk out of this prison and be a much different person than I was when I came in it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm tearing up even recalling the letter, but I thought that's the guy. That's the one I wrote the book for. That's, that's, that's the payment. It isn't about a royalty check or anything like that. To me, it's like, wow. And it also proved out that that divine whisper I got, share your experience and others will, will, will heal Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy in prison, you know, who's lost everything, and if his heart is healing, and and there's been many, 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 many others since then. But yeah, mm-hmm. you can reach out to me. In fact, you can reach out to your email. I, I answer my own email, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing. It's Jeffrey C Olson at Gmail dot mm-hmm. com, and I do get cards and letters, and I stay up late at night looking at, uh, looking at those and doing whatever I can to support or assist people as they go through grief or faith crisis or, you know, whatever they're dealing with. Um, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm here
0: for. That's great. Do you have any other projects that you're working on right now that you want people to know about? Well, I I work full time.
1: I'm like I'm like I'm, I'm I I still have a job. I got to put kids through school. I you know, and I I, I haven't gotten rich on the books or anything uh-huh. like that. It certainly has been. It, it's been supplemental income, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, I am working on projects, uh, and, and they're they're diverse and many. Um, I I'm on a few boards. I'm on a board for here the the Road Home. It's the one of the biggest homeless shelters in the Western United States here, and very successful on, uh, on getting people placed in independent housing. Um, I'm working with a small network, television network, based in family values. We're the first to, uh, you, you bring up Christians. We, we were the first public broadcast of The Chosen, the story of the life of Jesus. And they're filming that right now in Goshen, Utah, just 30 minutes uh, west of where I'm at oh, right wow. now. Um, I'm very involved with that. I want to bring more light in the world. I I do a Spirit Keeper series, which I've gotten involved with Indigenous and and Native American people and their spiritual practices, which, oddly enough, (laughs) you know, there's this line of truth that runs through everything, no Mm -hmm. matter what religion or culture you come from. And that's been beautiful. I do some one-on-one personal mentoring. I, I keep myself very, very busy but my, you know, my greatest joy is still in, in being a husband and a father and, and a friend in the end. That's, I, I even put that in my bio. I mean, that's, uh, I have a job, but I think if, if I had a calling, it's just to love people and to teach people to love each other and to put our differences aside and, and come together
0: as one and
1: possibly create more heaven right here.
0: Yeah, that's great. All right, well, before we wrap it up, you have one last message that you can leave the audience with?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, to choose joy, to choose it. I mean, here's the thing. We, we can't control what happens in our lives. And yet somehow it was divinely orchestrated, not to us, but for us. And if we can see each and every moment is sacred and as a gift and embrace life as a gift, and choose joy, and love each other. Love your enemies. (laughs) You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's easy to love the people you love. Love everybody. Let's put our differences aside and come together in a time of great division. Let's be more loving and see what we can create that way.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great message. Thank you very, very much. And I want to um, say thank you for giving me your time this evening. I really appreciate it. And I wish you success on all your projects. And um, I hope you have a great evening. Jeff, you're very kind. Wish me, wish me success in raising these
1: boys. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my biggest project. And they're, uh, boy, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're growing up. But anyway, thank you for having me. And thank you for your kind words. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be with you, my friend.
0: Uh, thank you. As well, it's an honor to be with you. All right, Jeff, have a great evening.
1: All righty, we'll see you. Bye-bye.